0: Welcome everyone to the Gov Navigator Show, a government-focused program that won't make you seasick. We're the Gov Navigators, I'm Robert Shea. And I'm Adam Hughes. We hope to enlighten and enliven your week with news and insightful, entertaining guests, all on the topic of government management. Enjoy today's episode
1: of Gov Navigators, brought to you by the creative geniuses behind the award-winning podcast Fedheads.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Gov Navigator Show. I'm Adam Hughes, and I'm Robert Shea. Robert, how are you this week? I'm great. You know, it'
1: missing um, Gov Love Week and Valentine's Day and all that, mm. but uh,
0: otherwise, I think I'm holding up pretty good. What about you? I'm good. I I noticed that the House is throwing its hat into the AI ring. They're creating a AI task force.
1: Was there not already one? Is this a competing AI task force? And I what's was the difference say, between
0: a caucus and a task force? Is there, is there a tiger team we could get put on this? Yes. Take this down. <laughs> I was going to say, now that the House of Representatives is on it, I'm sure everything will be fine.
1: Yeah, I, I did see that chaired by Jay Obernolti, a Republican from California, and Ted Liu, a Democrat from California. So
0: it looks like Silicon Valley's getting into the mix. Yeah, it seems like it. I'm wondering if Jay Obernoti is maybe a distant relative of Nick Nolte. I don't know. That's a complete no. non sequitur But hopefully you can edit out. <laughs> what are you looking at this week?
1: I am so excited that 11 nations got together to take down uh, this cyber crime group, Lockbit. So responsible for thousands of ransomware attacks. I mean, are these the guys that call and say that they're from the Department of Tax, Treasury, Social Security Administration, <laughs> and that we should send the money immediately or that the There's cops are going to come bang down the door?
0: There's a problem with your account, sir. We we need to clear this up right away.
1: That's right. I'm with the Department of IRS Treasury. <laughs> Only Navigators and bureaucrats like us can really decipher
0: a criminal screwing up of the agency's name. That's true. That's true. And right? it seems to work. That's why they keep doing it, right? On other people. Yeah, well, that sounds like a coordinated effort. A lot of countries, pretty big deal.
1: I I do I do think it's fantastic, and uh, it's going to get harder and harder. Uh, we'll have to get smarter and smarter. But it really is an enraging development in our society that you can actually grab control of people's systems and demand money from them. You know, it's I don't think we've figured out what caused it, but this AT and T shutdown last week. Yeah, uh, it was another menacing sign that our
0: interconnectedness is both good but also risky. So speaking of infuriating and grabbing things, you've been watching a couple of uh, news stories from federal agencies that yeah, where people are not really doing what they're supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, if you listen, if you've listened to the show, you know that we highlight the good news in things, and in particular, our efforts to uh, improve customer experience, and trust in government. But federal prisons and VA have not necessarily gotten the message, at least if you read recent reports. So, federal prisons have been have suffered major staff shortage, which has led to deaths among prisoners. VA's Office of Resolution, Management, Diversity, and Inclusion uh, had rampant sexual harassment, and Members of Congress had to call repeatedly to get the attention of leadership so that they could get a handle on it. and it just it just reminds you that the government is huge and not everybody's on the same page as far as doing right, um performing well, and um you know, just making sure you're at a minimum not harming people,
0: yeah, that's horrible. and also reminds me of the recent developments in the As we talk about a lot, we don't talk about politics here, but the district attorney down in Fulton County, Georgia, uh, is really imperiling her office's case against former President Donald Trump by her personal behavior, shacking up with a lawyer that she hired to work on the case. Yeah, it's good that we don't have subordinates here, Governor (laughs) Advigators. We don't have that problem. That's right. So, yeah, I just it's sort of for at least for me, it makes you wonder what people are thinking in these instances that when they're behaving like this, it's it's very unfortunate. Well, they're thinking with their
1: beep. (laughs) That sounds right. But our, our guests may have the answer to all this. Let's find out. This week, I'm proud to feature a dear friend, longtime colleague, but somebody who's going to talk about one of your hot
0: button issues, the budget process. It's maybe my favorite issue in all of public policy.
1: We have with us today, former uh, longtime OMB executive, current professor at the George Washington University's Trachtenberg School of Government, Dr. Stephen Redburn.
2: Steve, thanks for being with us. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you again, Robert. Did I get all that right? We had fun back in the old days at OMB, the Office of Management and Budget.
1: I don't, is fun the right word? Or was it kind <laughs> of like a menacing, long, torturous, sort of the Tan Death March type thing?
2: It's been a while. It's all a dream to me now. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I loved working with the people there, including you. Yeah. Well, you're a genius. You taught me
1: a lot of what I know. You're also sharing that with the world. You released a report for the IBM Center of the Business of Government on how to leverage the budget process to drive management improvements. Before we dive into that, give us a little bit more of your background because you are sort of an icon in this space, and it'd be good for folks to really know where you're coming from.
2: All right, well, I worked for a long time, almost 20 years at the Office of Management Budget, as a career executive responsible for programs in housing, urban development, housing finance. Uh, for four different presidents and like all the career staff at OMB, I was dedicated to helping whoever was the president achieve their priorities and be successful. Not just working on the president's budget, but also putting together ideas and helping implement those ideas through uh, through the executive branch's operations. So we paid a lot of attention to management. OMB's middle name is management, in fact. Although the the management side of OMB, as they now refer to it, often takes second place to the budget process, which is ma- massive annual task of putting the president's budget together and doing all the allied work to help justify that budget and clear the communications so that the Congress hears with one voice from the executive about what their what the priorities are. So that takes most of the energy and attention of the leadership. and depending on the leadership, Management sometimes gets short shrift in the process. Do you
1: recall Mitch Daniels, who came to OMB, promising to give greater emphasis to management, which he did. Mm-hmm. But he but he said at the end of one long week, boy, the budget really beat the Beep. Of management this week. <laughs> <laughs> and that, And that's most weeks.
2: Yeah, it tends to take all the air out of the room. So before we talk about the report itself, can I sort of set some context for that uh, report? how we came came to write it. Yeah. As you know, we're moving from a period when people weren't paying much attention to deficits and debts back into a new period of concern for and limits on what people can spend uh, and concern, at least concern for the rising debt for the foreseeable future, according to the latest Congressional Budget Office projections. Last year, in response to that, uh, Congress and the president agreed on legislation, negotiated legislation to setting new caps on spending, especially discretionary spending, and just with discretionary spending part of the budget, which is also the annually appropriated part of the budget, is the part that funds administration of programs, management, and it also is the part that has to pay for investments in improving government's capacity over time. So that when that's constrained, as and as history suggests, that, that that was where most of the pressure will be. Downward pressure on spending. When that's constrained, it makes it even more challenging than in the past to finance improvements in the way government actually operates and delivers. In that context, last October, the IBM Center for the Business of Government and the Shared Services Leadership Coalition assembled a group of experts, including Robert, both management and budgeting, to talk about what could be done to strengthen the budget process's support for management improvements.
0: Was that group all? Former government and current experts. Were there any
2: folks from government involved in that? Yes, there were people from both the administration and the Hill who were mm. are part of that discussion. This off off the record discussion of this roundtable. Yeah, because you've got a great page. The report overall is fantastic. By the way, I'm
0: not sure we we probably should have led with that at the beginning, but and this also I could be seeing this through my green eye shade budgeteer glasses just because I love all this stuff, but. You get a a great page summary of the recommendations from the report, and it breaks it into three areas of the budget process. But also what I like about it is it has three sets of recommendations that are called first steps, bolder moves, which I like, just that title, and then transformative actions. So I think you're really trying to showcase here's some easy things that maybe we can start with.
1: It's sort of like heart speeding a little faster, hair on fire. Head explodes. Those are sort of the three <laughs> categories of recommendations you make.
2: Right. I think that's right. There's some things that we'll have to wait until the current budget process collapses, perhaps, which could be, you know, in, in the the day now. In the future. <clears throat> that's right. Uh, and it's been 50 years since this year is the 50th anniversary of the Congressional Budget Act, which created CBO and the budget committees and the Congressional Budget process as we now know it which is faltering it's been over 100 years since the president's budget was created and the bureau of the budget which became omb over time eventually and gao was created 100 years ago and the last time we revisited the basic concepts we use in the budget process the way we talk about the budget was 1967 when i think robert was still pulling his little red wagon up the sidewalk so
1: (laughs) i was not not, not yet
2: not yet born not yet born <laughs> just for the record even so been a while maybe it's time to revisit the process and see if we can come up with something that is in many ways more supportive of the kind of decisions that we face the challenges we face as well as the future shocks that we will face as a nation so
1: are there themes that i mean what's the what's the theme that runs through the recommendations that you think but, people should take away from this conversation
2: as Adam said, there are three, discusses the process in three parts, the development of the budget and the executive branch, the president's budget, and, and then the congressional review and appropriations process, and then the execution of the budget. So maybe we should talk about each each of those very, very briefly. That'd be great. Uh, so I've told you what I think about the tension between the management and budget parts of the agenda in, in OMB. Uh, OMB has done a good job Over the years and successive administrations of advancing a a management agenda, a president's management agenda, and has also taken the opportunity provided by Congress, which created a legislative framework for strategic planning and strategic reviews and measuring performance and reporting performance to create an integrated set of routines that all of the major executive agencies now use each year uh, and over a two-year cycle and sometimes a four-year cycle to drive performance toward major priorities that has worked well. And OMB has led the creation of that that integrated set of routines. But there's an older set of routines in each of these agencies dealing with the development of the budget proposals and taking them to OMB for review and so on. And those two are not always closely linked. And as a result, there's been a sort of scattershot approach to capital planning for the government's own capital needs things like developing new systems to replace the obsolete systems that are not well integrated and don't talk to one another, uh, or moving things to the cloud, or developing shared solutions that many agencies can use to common administrative mission support functions, like cybersecurity, grants management, human resources, and so on. So there's been a lack of attention to management in a consistent way in the budget process itself. So bringing that into the president's budget as a integrated strategic plan that's fully priced and fully funded over several years, perhaps, to close the gap between where the government is and its operations, taking advantage of new technology and business models and so on, and where the best run private sector organizations are closing that gap. Uh, would be a step forward so that's that's one thing that's highlighted in the report then it also let's talk about congress the u.s is really an extreme outlier when it comes to the legislator legislative branch's role in the budget process appropriations start when the president's budget goes up in usually in february or this year looks like it'll be march and they have months and months to develop their own budget approach and framework through the budget resolution and then appropriations uh, and their work continues well past the beginning of the fiscal year for which the budget is intended to be enacted we, we're seeing that now of course as we've seen it almost every year in the recent past and that causes disruption and and delay and extra work for the executive branch the u.s is also an outlier in the extent to which in a through appropriations language and accompanying reports congress provides extremely detailed instruction on how the funds are to be spent they don't just say Here's an amount of money for homeland security or for or for the border they they want you to spend it in certain ways uh and the, and the agencies respond to that because they they're they want to anger their appropriators and so there's there's a tendency to focus uh on detailed compliance with excessively detailed instruction on how to use the money instead of holding the executive accountable for results, they're held accountable for whether they followed the instructions in great detail that are given by their appropriators. So that's that's perhaps a flaw in the process that could be remedied over time by consolidating appropriations, making the appropriations language less detailed, or uh, making it clear that these are this is advice, not something you have to follow. If something happens and you need to change direction, or if you have a strategic plan for achieving your mission as an agency, you can maximize the use of resources without regard to whether it offends a particular appropriation subcommittee. So that's, that's the part of what we have to say in the report about this the second stage. And then the third stage, budget execution, a lot of the challenges there arise from what I just described, that is, bureaucrats are good at compliance. And that's perhaps their natural state of mind. And so when they get detailed instructions, they follow them as they should. But uh, means they're less focused on strategy and on results than they might otherwise be. So one set of recommendations has to do with how you create a different uh, culture in, in the uh, executive branch and how you implement the budget in a, in a different way. How much did you all tackle things
0: that maybe are part of the budget process? That they don't fit necessarily through those three buckets that you talked about, one of the things I'm thinking about right now is the debt ceiling, because the debt ceiling has sort of become inextricably tied to budget negotiations because of this sort of collapse in the process that you alluded to earlier. Did that come up in discussions about, should we just get
2: rid of this ridiculous
0: idea that we need to raise the debt ceiling?
2: I think there's a consensus that it doesn't make sense to enact an arbitrary debt ceiling that you're gonna hit because of actions that Congress and the president have already authorized. Well, and that's, that was sort of the design
0: behind the the law in 74, right? And the entire the, the current way that the budget process is set up, in, at least in Congress, instead of letting people go off in their own corners and pass bills independently and then figure out how much money we're going to spend at the end, there, it was supposed to be built in where those things were taken into account at the beginning. Here's the total amount of revenue. Here's the total amount of spending. Let's make sure those are in line before we get to the details.
2: Right. The budget process, of course, is neutral with regard to whether you have a deficit or don't or have a surplus. Uh doesn't Lean one way or the other, but you're right. It it sets up a set of procedures that could allow you to reconcile spending decisions with revenue levels and and hit whatever targets you want to hit. That process is, as I said, broken down to a considerable degree.
1: And so your point that now is a time to reform things after so many decades and the process breaking down as it has. But you and I back in the day spent a good deal of time trying to persuade appropriators to grant agencies, in this case HUD, some flexibilities, or to restructure programs in a way that we thought make them work better. But there's a lack of trust between most appropriators and the agencies that they fund, and that'll be a major barrier, won't it, to getting some of the
2: reforms you proposed enacted? I think so. Yeah, I think there's a lack, lack of trust. I think that's a good way of putting it. And that's why I think it'll be you know, part of some larger scheme that, where we revisit the whole process when we, when we take this on. Uh, appropriators have great power under the current process, so they, and they often exercise it very wisely. But they are by nature parochial, There's, they represent districts or states with particular interests, and those are the interests they pursue. So the appropriators actually asked the National Academy of Public Administration to look at the Marine Fisheries Program's appropriations process and budget process a couple of years ago because they were frustrated themselves with the outcome. They were telling the, the executive branch, here's your appropriation for fisheries, and here are 14 categories of spending, and you have to divide it up in, the, in these amounts, these 14 amounts, and spend it this way they would accompany that with a report which is treated although it's not part of the law it's treated as though it was instruction from the congress by the agency and it would say you know i have a favorite fish i'd like you to study i have a favorite coastline <laughs> i want you to look at and then on top of that there's earmarking so So by the time you're done, the agency has tied itself in knots just trying to make sure it doesn't over or underspend each of the in each of the little categories that Congress has set. That's frustrating. And then they don't then they're frustrated they don't get the results that they wanted. Well, maybe because there were things happening around this vast coastline of ours that they couldn't they couldn't react to because uh, they were tied up tied up with all these instructions.
1: Who who was who was the favored fish?
2: Do you have any uh, recollection? I think it depends on where you live. Salmon is very popular, and so is some New England ground fish. I can't name them all, I'm sorry to say. It shows the
1: idiosyncrasies of our government and how this process has a lot of weird, unintended impacts.
0: Steve, this has been really great. I think we're about out of time, sadly. Let me ask you one final question. There's been lots of budget process reform reports in the past. I think you guys have some pretty interesting ideas, a few that have been talked about for a long time, but a few that are new. What do you think the chances are of any of these things actually changing or getting enacted? Senator Enzi and Senator Whitehouse had this budget process reform. Usually the ones that are standalone pieces of legislation don't pass, and we get things in dribs and drabs in reconciliation instructions or in agreement between the Speaker and the President to reduce deficits. So what do you think are the prospects for any of these? I think there's some low-hanging
2: fruit. So I think Things like expanding the role of the so called CUSMOs, the quality service management offices that broker shared services solutions for different agencies. That would be a fairly easy and inexpensive thing to do. Mm -hmm. There are also things that the executive branch can do on its own. For example, it could have its own capital management development process and develop in the president's budget a, a plan for closing the gap with other organizations between government and the private sector, for example. Those are things that could be done fairly easily. The other things like reorganizing the appropriations process around a smaller number of strategic objectives or centralizing responsibility for leadership of management changes, transformative changes in OMB, for example, those are harder things because they require legislation and it's hard to develop agreement uh, because people's positions and power are threatened by those kinds of big changes. Those will have to wait for a shock.
1: Well, congratulations on on the report, Opportunities for Management When Budgeting by the IBM Center for the Business of Government. And um, thanks for being with us today, Steve. Good luck. Pleasure.
0: Good luck to you. Well, I don't know about you, Robert, but I actually learned a lot
1: talking to Steve. I've learned a lot from Steve over the years. Grateful that he took some time to spend with us. Here at the Gov Navigator Show. I, I agreed. Agreed. What's happening this week? Well, it's leap day. Is that what you call it? The yes. last uh, the leap day. So February has 29 days in it. We get a longer February. Blessed. Longer, <laughs> blessed February. But we're going to be spending time with our friends over at AGA. Their national right. leadership training is this week, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, packed full of great speakers. Uh, excellent networking with public administration community well, what are you looking at
0: well act iact has a small business mixer or lack of a better word but it's a good chance to meet other small businesses that are involved in act iact or or just interested in act iact that are working in federal contracting so i'm i'll be hopefully they will be checking that out yeah especially given the what the
1: administration has put out there trying to lean in on securing more contracts for small businesses this is probably tailor-made for the environment right
0: now yep yep and and we're coming up on the cr oh, don't, expiration don't, again don't
1: oh i told you not to bring that up
0: we're in single digits friday at midnight the first cr expires
1: so we might be into our cups watching whether or not the government's going to shut down what's your prediction yeah.
0: well I don't I don't we should we should get a I'm going to send a a text to Charles Cooper and see if he wants to weigh in again. I'm a little more nervous this time. I kind of feel like it's either they're going to pass an extension or Johnson's going to get booted. So let's see what the insufferable Charles Cooper has to say about it. We'll report back on that. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gov Navigator show brought to you by Gov Navigators. We sure hope you enjoyed it and learned something in the process and didn't get seasick. Right, of course. If you want to know more about us and what we're up to, please follow us on social media or visit GovNavigators.com.
1: Ahoy!
2: Oh, jeez.